We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always by my co-host, Nick Lovato. Tonight, we're coming to you right after the Giants wrapped up their preseason finale against the New York Jets. Tonight's show is going to be about that game to some small degree. But as those of you who watched it know, it was a snooze fest in some ways. I mean, in the ways of what the 2023 season might be, who's going to be important, who's going to impact. I mean, I was surprised, Nick, to even see the young corners sit. They really showed us tonight by sitting those corners how valuable they feel to those players are to this team, like Trey Hawk and to not suit up and play in this game. I thought he'd play the whole first half. So that surprised me a little bit. Everyone I thought that was important to the team for the most part didn't play, but there were a few players who did play tonight that might make an impact in 2023. We're going to talk about those players and how they played, but this show's focus is mostly going to be on Nick and I's prediction for the final 53 man roster. Before we dive into that, I want to preface it by saying this. If you followed the 53-man rosters over the last five years, 10 years, 15, whatever many years, specifically the last few years, you'll know that that final roster is not set in stone. There will be cuts. There will be trades. There will be players waived. There will be players put on IR after making it originally or pup after making it originally. And it's a fluid thing. So let's keep that in mind when we go over this prediction. This may not age well. And we will talk about that <laughs> as new players move in and out of the roster. But this is how we see it right now going into Monday and going into Sunday and going into the next day as the Giants coaches get together and now do the hard work of trying to narrow this thing down and figure out who deserves to be on the roster right now and who they can move to the practice squad and then who they have to say goodbye to. A tough time for the Giants. So all that tonight. But Nick, before we do that, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing excellent, Dan. Thank you so much. It was cool to see Tommy DeVito and David Sills go up against the Aaron Rodgers-led New York Jets. We got a little bit of Tyrod Taylor in there as well, but Aaron Rodgers on the Jets. Interesting enough. Interesting enough. And I loved the Isaiah Simmons pressure that we got on him. And I want to break that down because the usage of Isaiah Simmons was exactly what we wanted to see. And honestly, man, I think I watched the extensive amount of tape on Isaiah Simmons after we recorded our quick reaction podcast. He has a lot of issues as a run defender. I know that he's not going to start as long as Micah McFadden is there. Micah McFadden, who did not play in this game, Darian Beavers did says something. Michael McFadden is going to be the starter opposite of Bobby Okereke if we want to read into that. Isaiah Simmons, he has an important role in this defense, but it is only in passing situations as of right now. And judging by his Arizona tape, that's a good thing. 
That is a good thing. And I think the reality of it, as we went over in the reaction pod, Nick, was we're looking for him to be an impact player on passing downs, red zone, and all the money downs, the third downs. And we're not like ideal scenario is what we talked about. You said, what's the ceiling? What's the floor? The ceiling still could be that he improves as a run defender, plays with more physicality, shows up and says, this is my contract year. This is my best chance to get paid as an NFL player. Let me be a different version of this. That's still in line. I still think it's possible. Like if you go back to his Clemson tape, I feel like he was, he was more of an all around player than what we're kind of projecting him as now, which is like this passing down specialist. But regardless on that rep that he had tonight where he rushed Aaron Rodgers, that was a little glimpse of what he can be in that specialized role and why that immediately feels to me, at least like that's adding something to the giants defense. Do you remember last year, one of the things that we just praised Wink Martindale for was his ability to waste blockers by the way he aligns his defense pre-snap and where they go post-snap. And one of the primary ways he does that, Dan, successfully, is through simulated pressures. We bring up simulated pressures often. This is a third and 12 where the Giants run a simulated pressure. A simulated pressure is when you crowd the line of scrimmage. Right now on the screen, you can see there are seven guys on the line of scrimmage. Only four end up rushing. So it's technically not a blitz, but the blockers have right. no idea who is rushing. So they have to take into account everybody who was crowding the line of scrimmage. And if you watch this play where Isaiah Simmons gets isolated on a running back, that's all due to scheme. That's Wink Martindale putting Isaiah Simmons into a position where he can be successful. Because look at O'Shane Zimenez, who is directly over Makai Becton. You have Isaiah Simmons, who is circled, and then Javarius Owens, who's right off the ass. He could also come. So the protection is paying attention to him. If you watch Isaiah Simmons go... With O'Shane there, Makai Becton's going to take O'Shane because O'Shane's Zimenez is told to run into him. And what does that do? It creates a one-on-one -on -one matchup with Michael Carter. So you have this incredible athlete in Isaiah Simmons going up against a running back. That is schemed right there. And if you look at both of the guards, who are they blocking? I'll give you a hint. They're not blocking anybody, both of them. See, 74 out here. He's not blocking anybody. This guy just goes and helps Makai Becton as O'Shane Zimenez takes his path inward. He takes his path inward deliberately to remove Makai Becton from the threat that is Isaiah Simmons, forcing the Jets into a six-man protection and a mismatch in the favor of the New York Giants. This is what Wink Martindale does, and this is why I'm so excited because Isaiah Simmons is prime for this role. Wink Martindale asked him, Dan, what do you want to do? What is your favorite thing to do on defense? And he said, rush the passer. I don't think this kid right. wants to be a linebacker anymore. He wants to rush the passer. That's exactly what he is going to do, but it's not the only thing he's going to do. He can also drop off in the coverage and we know how athletic and fluid he is in space. So he's just a really excellent chess piece for one of the more creative and exotic defensive coordinators in the league. I love how you broke that down. I think what you said there, Nick, was the most exciting part about the Wink Martindale defense. And I'm fine hammering it home again for those who have maybe heard it before on this podcast. When you get a play like that, when you and for those of you who didn't see it on YouTube, you got a left guard just dropping into his pass blocking stance with no one near him. That's a wasted player for the Jets. They have a five man protection here. It looks like, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think there's an extra. Oh, with, with the running back and six man with the running back. And you have one guy of those six just blocking absolutely no one on the play. And before the snap, it looks like from his perspective that he has really? to be like seven men, not to cut you off, but it's really seven yeah, men with the running back because yeah, the tight end. Yeah. The tight end is also up at the top of the screen. I think he's tasked to release, but he has to block this individual because he's so wide. And now you have that tackle, not blocking anybody. Both the guards are just like, okay, I'll take these two inward path defenders, mm -hmm. but those defenders aren't, they're there to just keep the pocket to, to ensure that there's no rushing lanes, but they're not there to sack the quarterback. Now, if an opportunity came where they could, they obviously would take it, but they're there to allow one-on-one -on -one matchups on the outside. And that's exactly what the Giants got. One-on-one -on -one matchup against a running back and a one-on-one -on -one matchup against a tight end.
And it's awesome because in the regular season, we're going to have, you know, Aziz Ojolari as well on the field, Kayvon Thibodeau on the field. But this is kind of in my mind, Nick, we talked about this a lot this offseason. Do the Giants have an edge three? Do they have someone to come in and spell Kayvon, uh, I'm sorry, Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau and someone to provide insurance if Ojolari goes down again? Do they have someone to bring in for these types of NASCAR type packages on these third and long situations to give a third pass rushing threat? We talked about Tomlin Fox having a nice preseason, right? We talked about maybe O'Shane Zimenez, but none of those guys are competing in, the, in my mind in the same way that Isaiah Simmons just did on that rep. I like Tom on Fox. He had one nice rep earlier in the preseason. That was really interesting, but it didn't look like that, right? It didn't look like that explosiveness around the edge, that helplessness that the running back Michael Carter had there trying to protect his quarterback against an athlete like that. Isaiah Simmons is longer. He's quicker in the short uh, area. He's more explosive as an athlete overall, and he's faster, straight up faster. So I think we're going to get a lot more big plays in the passing game on pass defense than we would have had before this trade. And I don't really care if we, if, if he, you know, what his run defense is right now or what his physicality is. Cause like you said, Wink Martindale is going to use him in the ways that best fit his skill set. When you can make a quarterback uncomfortable by sending four, when they keep seven in protection, that is just a ridiculous win for the defense. And that's exactly what happened on that play against a future Hall of Fame quarterback. That's right. And that's part of that's the beauty of Wink's defense. Now it gets you burned sometimes, obviously, because there's times where like in this game where he did like zero blitz against Rodgers. That was just funny to see. Like in the preseason, <laughs> I was like, Rodgers got rid of that ball so fast on that play. Just like that ball was out. And it was incomplete. If I remember, it was like the tight end. I think he was looking for and it was just like nowhere near him. He's just like that ball's out. I'm not fucking facing cover zero. I'm facing a zero blitz in the preseason. Wink, like get the hell out of here with this shit. But you're right. It, it was definitely what you said is definitely true. Like when you can bring four and get pressure and they're protecting seven that means you have a massive numbers win for you in the secondary and pass coverage there so just an awesome rep to see and from a scheme perspective and i know we touched on this but i want to flat out say it from a scheme perspective the way wink martindale has success is by crowding all of the center and the interior offensive line and those two guards all the way basically right in front of the pocket so in order to fully maximize that, you need speed rushers on the edge who can win around the edge. And that's one thing Isaiah Simmons can certainly do. We know Aziz Ojolari can do it. We know Kayvon Thibodeau can do it. That's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about this addition. I don't need him to stack and shed the run. I don't need him to be out right. there on first and 10. I need him to be out there in the red zone. I need him to be out there on the third and six plus situations because not only is he going to be schemed in advantageous situations, but he can beat tackles as well just because he is so damn fast and he's going to have so many one-on-one -on -one matchups. So just one of the many reasons why i'm excited about the new york giants this season yeah i have we'll get into it eventually with bull predictions but i'm way 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 more bullish on what isaiah simmons is going to have impact wise and what he's going to mean in 2033 than i think most people are at this point i just feel like he is so pervert perfect for the system and there's going to be surprise picks like interceptions that people don't see coming where he's dropping and he's athleticism takes over and then there's going to be a lot more pressures than people realize as a pass rusher like i'm not saying this is Hassan reddick part two when the Eagles got Hassan Reddick from the Cardinals and Hassan Reddick was completely misused his entire career with the Cardinals. The Eagles are like, let's just make this guy an edge rusher. And now he's like one of the best edge rushers in the NFL. It's not that, but I think some version of that might actually play out this season, a much lesser version of that. The Giants version of that might play out this season. Cause he's not right. He's never going to be Reddick like Reddick, even before he went to the Eagles, Nick, if I remember correctly, had some success as a pass rusher and was like lined up occasionally on the edge with Arizona. Yeah, he had a dominant season with the Panthers as well in between. Right. I think he went from Arizona to the Panthers. He might have went back to Arizona and then went to Philadelphia. I could I be misremembering. So. He went back to Arizona or something. Like a one-year yeah, deal. Regardless, though.
I think we're going to see some good things on passing downs from Isaiah Simmons. The other interesting rep for him tonight, I would say for me, was Jalen Hyatt getting a step or two on Sauce Garner, who we believe is one of the best, if not the best corners in the NFL. And what happened again on this rep, Isaiah Hyatt, uh, sorry, Jalen Hyatt got a free, re free release off the line of scrimmage. And when you give this guy a free release off the line of scrimmage, now you're playing, you're backpedaling, and you're the one on the defense at this point because he has that kind of speed to just chew up ground as he did on this rep against Sauce Garner. And it was definitely fun to see Nick, to see him get that step. Obviously, the ball was off target and it wasn't completion, but it was great in general just to see that dude get a step on Sauce. It was excellent. And I'm going to bring up Justin Penick's uh, Twitter, and I think Bobby Skinner shot this, so credit to them. I love just how they scheme this up and the amount of confidence they showed in Jalen Hyatt. Because you have Jalen Hyatt, who was to the boundary side initially. He's motioning to the field side where Sauce is. Look how much space is out there. Because this is 12 personnel, and you have both tight ends pretty much inward. One of them's a little bit off the line of scrimmage to that boundary side. So you are putting Jalen Hyatt into a position where it's going to be one-on-one -on -one against Ahmad Sauce Gardner, one of the top cornerbacks in the league. And not only is he going to get a couple steps on him, he caused a little bit of panic here. And it's crazy to highlight a play where it was a 10-yard penalty against the New York Giants. And I don't think we're being hyperbolic here because watch how he decelerates and sells that he's going on a just a quick comeback route. Just that quick little stutter step right there and how his hips drop. You see how his hips drop? Look at what this does to Sauce Gardner because look at the angle Sauce Gardner has at the moment. He can cut off Jalen Hyatt if Jalen Hyatt doesn't do this stutter and then just basically ride him off the red line and into the sidelines. But this quick little stutter made Sauce Gardner change his path. And you can see how he crosses his feet and then he goes a little bit more narrow towards the sideline instead of elongating that. So he's basically going straight at the 40. And now I'm sorry for the, those on the podcast, but the YouTube will enjoy this. Decelerates and then watch just how explosive he is, Dan, after he sinks his hips. Boom. Like he doesn't miss a beat at all. That's and there are several. Steps. There's no, there's no lack of uh burst coming out. There's no um stop. You know what I'm saying? It's just so fluid yeah. how he's able to drop his hips and then explode right out of there like a gazelle. It's a very impressive rep. And if this was thrown a little bit better and, and Matt Parrott wasn't embarrassed on this rep, this could have been a huge play because I think the ball would have got there before this middle of the field close safety was able to get over the top. This is true elite NFL speed. And I don't remember the last time the Giants have, have had that at wide receiver while also having a more comprehensive skill set. Because you could say John Ross, but John Ross couldn't really stay healthy. Right. I think, honestly, the last time they had that consistently on the field was Beckham, back in Beckham's healthy days. Mm. And I think the key factor here is what you brought up, Nick, because it showed up on his touchdown rep from earlier in the preseason. It's that ability to sink his hips and then lose nothing, reaccelerate through that break. And just think about that from the standpoint of if you have the ability to just get in, get that low and that flexible with your hips and then lose nothing. And, and like you said, it looks smooth. He accelerates through it. What is that going to mean for us? What do we talk about on film? We saw a lot last year. We saw a lot of opportunities for double moves for the Giants wide receivers. We even saw oh, some yeah. opportunities where Darius Slayton or Isaiah Hodgins, for example, who's not as fast as Jalen Hyatt. And honestly, Darius Slayton does not look that smooth, in my opinion, as Hyatt or that fast, just to be honest, even though he ran maybe a tick faster in the 40 yard dash at the combine. It just to me never looks that way when I'm watching Hyatt right now. But those opportunities on double moves that we're, the Giants are going to get simply because they run this quick hitting system. Now those opportunities go to Hyatt and think of how much space he's going to create on those because DBs are not going to be able to just 
play him play off on Hyatt all the time because he's obviously going to be able to do what you just said, run the comebacks and run the routes that break back toward the line of scrimmage as well. So I'm just excited thinking about all those double moves we saw on film last year. Some of obviously which didn't, you know, go to the receiver or whatever. But this year now with Hyatt running them instead of Slayton or Hodgins, I think it's going to be a really good spot for the Giants. And you could bring it back now to the flip side of on the offense. We talked a lot about Wink Martindale and the advantage he gives his defense. Now look at Mike Kafka. What did he do there? It wasn't like he was just stagnant on the line of scrimmage. No, he motioned him from the boundary side to the field side and then snapped it basically right as he said. What does that do? Sauce Gardner's not coming up the pressure. It gives you a free release. And Jalen Hyatt is not the type of receiver you want to give a free release. But if you go up there and try to jam him in a line and press and you miss Jalen Hyatt's speed, you're not going to be able to account for that. So he just is a thorn in the side of defenders because they're not 100% sure. Like the defensive coordinator doesn't exactly know how they want to play him. Sure, you can outmuscle him. But if you miss, if your cornerback isn't precise with his jam, good luck because he's going to burn you. And that, that cornerback's not going to have the recovery speed to catch up. Not even a corner back like sauce Gardner is going to have the recovery speed to catch up but sauce Gardner is the type of cornerback who is going to jam you into the sideline and good luck kind of escaping the jam that's the issue with that yeah if you don't get the free release exactly right but I do think this Nick as we kind of transition and we'll we'll move off this after this but I think going into the preseason I don't know if you're at where if you're at this point too but going into the preseason I felt like Jalen Hyatt might be more of a bit player for the Giants this year. Coming out of the preseason, I'm starting to kind of wipe that away and feel like this dude could be an impact player right away for the Giants in 2023. Like there's a path I see already where he is getting as many snaps as the entire rotation of wide receivers. And honestly, not coming off the field very often if things go the way they can go because having him on the field does allow you from a schematic standpoint to do different things than when he's off the field. 100%. I think as he develops and as he continues, which seems like an upward trajectory in his development, he just impressed all throughout camp. They're going to take their shots with him. They connect with a couple of those shots. That's going to change how the defense plays the offense. And then the Giants can take advantage of other mismatches on the intermediate parts of the field, the short parts of the field with the running game. I think Jalen Hyatt's going to have a crucial role. I don't think it's going to be as developmental as I originally anticipated. And it's not just because he's making catches in training camp. It's also just seeing how the Giants are using him in the small amount of snaps that he's allotted in preseason. Yeah, that's another good point. There's been a lot of schemed up touches for him already. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think they want to get a feel for what they can, how they can use him in the actual regular season because he is now weapon number one, obviously outside of Darren Waller as far as what they acquired this offseason. Yeah, and dude, there were like two third and twos or third and three situations in this game where they did end arounds to Khalil Pimpleton. Those are third and short situations. It's not a mistake that they did that twice. They're looking at doing that depending on how the defense is going to play them. If they're going to condense down and think that the Giants are going to run it in the A, B, or C gap, even off outside the tackle with like a stretch zone type of run, if you can catch them sleeping, get everybody condensed, and then just use a speedy receiver like Khalil Pimpleton, like Jalen Hyatt, I would not be shocked to see some third and short situations where they put Jalen Hyatt in that situation to catch the end around and just allow his natural athletic ability to thrive. You nailed it. All right, one final thing before we get into the 53-man predictions. Uh, A lot of people have discussed this, obviously, throughout the preseason. Again, tonight, I saw this on Giants Twitter, Nick. The idea that, look, Joe Shane's been very active. He's already made one trade. Could we see more moves for offensive linemen? A lot of people have discussed throughout the preseason. And tonight, like I said, they're concerned about the offensive line, the depth on the offensive line, watching Matt Parrott and pass protection, watching all these other guys who are reserve linemen right now for the Giants and you know I've said it before Nick I say it again I'll say it again I should say 
I just don't think these guys grow on trees. I just don't think there's any trade to be made at all for a reserve offensive lineman. Maybe a veteran, I guess, dude, but probably not even there. Like that just doesn't even strike me as a possibility at all. Every team has offensive line depth issues. Some teams have worse offensive line depth issues than the Giants, by the way. I don't think the Giants are anywhere near the bottom of the barrel here, right? Like, think of the Jets' offensive line issues right now. They just had to name Mekhi Becton a starter, right? Dwayne Brown's their other starting tackle. He's 38 years old and, like, hasn't been able to play until, like, the end of the preseason. Mekhi Becton's been injured his whole career. Like, that's depth issues. Like, right? If if anyone's gunning to the trade wire to get an offensive tackle, I'm sure the Jets are going to beat the Giants to it, right? And that's just one team that came to mind that the Giants played tonight i don't know all 32 rosters back end front end but i guarantee you we're not the only ones with this offensive line depth issue so no i do not think the giants will be trading for an offensive lineman no i don't really think any team will be trading for an offensive lineman that actually matters the last time the giants tried to trade for an offensive lineman around this time of the year they got hoodwinked by a team that played it played it perfectly the cincinnati Bengals. just just laughing you know the cincinnati Bengals in that spot nick were probably like you know when you have those fantasy leagues with like novice players and you're like negotiating a deal with someone and you just know it's not a fair deal. Like you know you're ripping the guy off. You feel somewhat bad about it to some extent, but you don't really and you end up doing it anyway. And then you're smiling once it goes through and it processes and he hits success. <laughs> players on your team, you're like that was awesome. That's I feel personally attacked. Felt. I feel personally attacked right now. <laughs> Why? You're not one of those players. But I do that. I do that to people. <laughs> no, some guys were in my league. I, 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 yeah. trades. That Camara 2019 trade or whatever it was, 2020, 20, that was one of exactly. the worst trades I've ever seen in the history of fantasy. Just if they, the, the, the term trade, you know, you know what was definitely. But my point is when the Bengals were giving up Billy Price, like they knew this dude was going to be out of the NFL within six to eight months. And they were able to get a productive defensive tackle who they now resigned and had the huge play to prevent, you know, Pat, someone mentions my mentions reason, like, Without B.J. Hill, Patrick Mahomes probably has another Super Bowl. Like, B.J. Hill made that impact play in that championship game with Bengals versus Chiefs. And they're just, in their mind, they're like, we're giving up a dude who's going to be out of the NFL. So that's my point. When you're trading for offensive linemen at this stage of the game, you're you're either going to get damaged goods, so a former first-round pick like Billy Price who's damaged goods, or you're just going to get, like, nothing. Like, there's nothing to trade for. So put this behind you. The Giants have no O-line depth. I get it, but this is the situation they're in right now. One situation where I would argue that it did work out, and I think all situations dictate, is the Ben Bredesen one, which is very similar. But to me, you look at teams like the Baltimore Ravens who made investments, significant investments, into their interior offensive line. And Ben Bredesen maybe doesn't fit that really rugged power rushing game that they were trying to implement under Greg Roman. True. The Giants at the time maybe did a good job knowing that Ben Bredesen was a roster bubble guy, but they still traded. I think it was a fourth round pick for Ben Bredesen that year. Right. They still gave up a four, not, early four. I'm not mistaken, which I guess you could say it's not a loss. It's not the best trade in terms of value, but Ben Bredesen is still in the conversation to start. And if he doesn't start, he is the prime interior swing offensive lineman has a good role here with the giants and also a player that they may look to resign if it's cheap enough. But to your point, not a lot of teams are in that situation. Not a lot of teams are going in saying these are our eight or nine offensive linemen who are certainly going to make the team. And we're very confident in all of them. They'll say that they're confident, but Watch right. Matt Parrott tonight. Do you think the Giants are going to be confident if, if Evan Neal goes down and Tyree Phillips isn't ready to play and they have to put Matt Parrott out there? That would be an absolute disaster for the Giants offense. It would be. And Parrott actually had some fun blocks in the run game. That's the thing with Parrott. He's always been okay as a run blocker. It's just 
that means nothing, unfortunately, NFL. If you can run block, it's it's a plus. But if you can't pass protect, you're you can't be out there on the field. It's just as simple as that. Versus the flip side of that, if you can pass protect and you can't run block, or you're just like a sub a, a sub you know sub average run blocker, you're probably going to have a chance to stick around in the NFL a lot longer. But that Bredesen trade's an interesting one because it's like a sort of win. It's like a semi win for the Giants. But even then, you have to give a fourth round pick. That's a valuable investment. That was like a hundred or overall, I think like just outside the top hundred. And, you know, that was recently just traded for like Trey Lance, a former top pick. Like that's the type of, you know, capital that it can command. So I think the spot to maybe find one, if somebody's looking at it would be a team, like, let's say like the Texans who now have Bobby Slowick and they're going to like a zone outside zone based scheme. If they have any of the former scheme guys who don't fit the scheme now, maybe there's a spot there, right? Like those are where you should be looking right now. If you're trying to find the giant, someone to trade for, but those seem so few and far in between. And even in those spots, I don't know if there's actually any players who can compete in the NFL. Cause that's, that's the problem. Like not many people can play the offensive line. It's a tough position to play. Very tough. You got to be big, got to be athletic, got to be smart. You need to be all three of those yep. things. It's a thankless position because you could do your job so well. And people are just like, ah, whatever. But if you give up one sack for like, oh, you suck. <laughs> it's just thankless. Yeah, exactly. And let me ask you this, Nick, because we're going into the season right now. Throw out, forget the offensive line depth for a second. This is just to kind of give, I think, like a little perspective on how hard it is to play the offensive line, how hard it is to roster and find an offensive line. How many linemen, forget the reserves, total on the Giants roster, do you feel super confident about in week one against a tough Cal Dallas Cowboys defensive line for week one? one. I say two. You say Who's one. I say maybe two. John Michael Schmitz. I feel pretty good okay. that he's going to hit the ground running. Yeah. I, I would like to say John Michael, but he's a rookie. And that's we can't even of, say that. Right. And, you, and, I, and you're probably yeah. right not to say that. Like, you know what I mean? That's the I'm point. I'm confident going forward with him, but I think there's going to be some some rocky times in the NFC East when he has to go up against sure. Fletcher Cox and Jalen Carter and and like all these different types of guys. That's got to be hard with the Eagles who have yeah. so many talented players who have such different play styles and you have to adjust play in and play out. And again, thankless position. Even the kid they got from like Louisiana, what was that third rounder they got a few years ago? That's now like Williams. Yeah, and he's like fitting great for them. He's like, I read that last year that it, that he's just like perfect along that D line. They found the perfect spot for him to rush the passer. So there are different guys for Schmitz to face. So even you take back Schmitz, it's like we feel confident with one guy. Now we're talking about somehow finding trade partners at the back end of roster cuts that we feel confident to put on the field. And of course, that's not going to happen. No, it's not. It's it's unfortunate, man. Yeah, and that's the state of the O-line. But you know what? We feel we feel okay about where the Giants are at, considering where they were before Joe Shane took over. All right, let's get into it now, Nick. Let's do a 53-man roster prediction. We can go back and forth on this, maybe. I'm sure ours will be different. Um, I'm actually going through this right now, and it's going to be a little bit more interesting than last year. So let's start with the quarterbacks, Nick, and you can give your prediction there. Obviously, this one I think is pretty locked in, but maybe you think differently. No, it's Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor, quarterback one, quarterback two. Yep, you nailed it. They probably like what they saw from DeVito, Nick, I would assume. And I assume he's going to make the practice squad. I'd be locked into the practice squad. Locked into probably the practice squad. Into the practice squad. And maybe they even feel like he showed enough that he could potentially be the QB2 next year when they let Tyrod walk, because I think they will let Tyrod walk. All those things I think are possible. I'll but say one thing as far as Dan. Yeah. Oh, sorry, to, sorry to cut you off. The ball jumps out of that kid's hands much faster faster and with much more velocity than I remember from watching his tape in college. That thing flies. Some of the throws when he's like got a good firm base and he torques his body and he just throws through the ground, that ball 
fires, man. And I'm very impressed by what I've seen from the preseason just off of the velocity and just the toughness. Very tough kid. Completely agree with you on that point. I think the two throws that stood out to me from tonight's game were the back shoulder that Sills, I guess they ruled it a not catch, which I thought was a catch. I think it was kind of weird how that wasn't a catch, but I guess I can kind of see it from that other angle. But to hit the back shoulder like that, 20 yards down the field, I was impressed by that. And then the touchdown throw to Sills. I mean, he flipped his hips, rolling to his opposite shoulder, and ripped the ball outside the numbers toward the back pylon, like the back left pylon. Like that was a good rip by him. And so I agree with you. He has a lot more arm talent than I expected. He has more arm talent than like a Kyle Aletta who's been through this in the past, like that type of quarterback that the Giants have tried to run through. So I am somewhat intrigued by him. I just don't think there's a spot for him on this roster because the Giants are going to use the edge and advantage that they get from not rostering three quarterbacks. And I think that's partially, you know, that's an interesting thing about the NFL. I think it's a big reason why the Cowboys were able to buy so low on Trey Lance and get that kind of fourth, that, that type of developmental quarterback for fourth. Because the Niners are just like, we don't want to keep a third quarterback on the roster who's not going to play. We need, we're a championship team right now. We're going for a championship push. We need a special teamer there or whatever it may be. So I think that's the, the same situation the Giants are facing. And the rise of Sam Darnold might be coming if anything happens to Brock Purdy. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that, Nick. If Brock Purdy goes out or if they bench him, whatever the case may be, I am in the same camp. If Sam Darnold plays in this Kyle Shanahan system with those weapons, Sam Darnold will have a career year. Everyone's going to be like, were we wrong about Sam Darnold? What's going on with Sam Darnold? You know, like just like now, you know, Jimmy G without Kyle Shanahan, we'll see how that thing goes. So he does have Josh McDaniels, which helps, but we'll see. Who he's worked right. with in the past. One more thing, right. too, about uh, the quarterback situation. The Giants are going to keep two. David Sills, I think, was the emergency quarterback last year. Say David Sills does not make this team. Who is the emergency quarterback? Would that be like a Sterling Shepard, or is there somebody that we're overlooking on the roster now that Kadarius Tony is not here either? I don't know, Nick. I, I don't know who else could, could operate in that role. That's a good question, though. I'm not I'm not exactly entirely sure on that front. Because that would so, be my one be my my one issue with Tyrod or Turrod Taylor would be I just don't know if he does the best job protecting himself when he's running. I've seen him just take <laughs> massive hits, and I'm like, bro. And Jones can do that too. Jones is much bigger and stronger, so he can absorb right. that. And I feel like Jones over the last like last year at least he did a, at least somewhat of a better job than earlier in his career. But I mean, I'm knocking on what I just hope nothing happens to Daniel Jones, and then Tyrod comes and he gets hurt, and it's like we don't have a quarterback. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Dan Schneier, the Big Blue Banter Podcast. In case you didn't know, the show you're listening to right now 
is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. And now Blue Wire currently has 300 shows with athletes, celebrities, passionate fans like myself. I found Blue Wire right around the time when I started the Big Blue Banter podcast. When I started Big Blue Banter in 2018, I had an idea for a show, a name for a show, and then I had to figure out how to monetize that show and grow that show. That's when I found Blue Wire. Kevin Jones put everything on the line for this company and then found us and this show a way to monetize the content with strategy sessions, provided us new segments, connect us with podcasters, and even gave us an opportunity to record in the Win Vegas studio. Blue Wire has now raised over $10 million privately to grow and operate the business, and they're raising another round right now on WeFunder to expand the sales team and improve the operations. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It gives everyone an opportunity to be a part of the growing startup. This is not a donation. You're investing to own a piece of Blue Wire. If you would like to be a part of the Blue Wire investment round or you want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash Blue Wire. And remember, supporting Blue Wire is another way to support our show and this podcast. Nick, you ever been in the spot where you just felt like, I've got a few hours to go. I'm going to this game. I'm buying tickets. I don't have the tickets yet. You're stressing. The anxiety is at an all-time high. And you're trying to figure out what the heck you can do to get to this game. That happened to me a few years ago when the Wisconsin Badgers made the Sweet 16 game in the Madison Square Garden. My dad, diehard Badgers fan, the reason I went to Wisconsin, the reason I am a Badgers fan, I needed to get him tickets for that game. It was his birthday. So I'm stressing. I don't know what to do. And then, boom, I figure it out. I use the Game Time app. The Game Time app is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and anything near you. They got killer deals, last-minute tickets. You click open the app, and you're shocked to see that you can actually go to these games, having a good time, and not actually have to pay so much money that it breaks your bank account. Stanley Cup Final Week 1 this past season. I used the Game Time app last second. It was actually past the time of puck drop. Went on the app. I was in Vegas. Saw the Vegas Golden Knights defeat the Florida Panthers. And I also used the Game Time app to buy my entire family when they came out here to Phoenix to visit me to see Tom Segura's special, which is actually the same special Netflix used for their videotapings. And I love it because you can find so much on the app. Like you get an actual image of the seat view. Not like you're buying a seat with an obstructed view. It's an actual image. You know what you're getting. Lowest prices that I've seen by far, and that's their guarantee. You get an event cancellation protection, job loss protection. They go all out here to make sure that this is a great experience for the user. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code BANTER. That's B-A-N-T-E-R for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code BANTER. B-A-N-T-E-R for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. It's a good point, and I think that's partially part of the reason why they'll move on from Tyrod next year. I think he does. I think you were being nice about it. I think he does a terrible job protecting himself personally, um, and that's something that Daniel Jones, I think, has improved on. By the way, and I know you agree with that, but from where he was at in 2019, how reckless he was with his body, to now, I think he's definitely made some improvements in that regard. All right, let's move okay. on to running running back, which is interesting because i don't feel confident about it but i only have three guys on the roster what about you i also don't feel confident about it <laughs> i think that i'm standing by the idea nick that if he was healthy right now gary brightwell would make this roster so i think that they're going to kind of 
this is going to be one of the spots, Nick, on the roster where I think they're going to kind of maneuver around here and take advantage of the NFL rules and maybe start Gary Brightwell on like the I. I think Gary. So is this how it works, Nick? If somebody makes the raw, like to be placed on IR, they have to make the roster, correct? I believe so. You have to initially make the roster, you place on IR, you pass those other players through waivers, and then they can be activated to the active roster. Okay, that's what I thought was the case. So I'm going to go with four guys. I'm going to go with Barkley, Breida, Gray, and then Brightwell. And I think Brightwell will immediately be placed on either IR or PUP because Brightwell, obviously, like he's been sidelined this with like what we don't know much about it. It's like a lower body injury, quote unquote. But the fact that he hasn't practiced or even come close to practicing tells me this is still like a multi, a weekly, like a week by week injury rather than a day to day type of injury. So I think they might try to just put him on the roster now leave Corbin off the roster and then put Brightwell on either pup or IR and then either sign one of those running backs or sign another position, whatever they like off of waivers, you know, that's going to be so fluid. So I'll start with four here, Nick, I'm going to start with Barkley, Breed, gray and Brightwell. You're going with three. So I assume you're going with Barkley, Breed, and gray. That is correct. I am not confident about this one because I can okay. easily see that happening. And then Brightwell just being reverted to IR. But again, one thing we should probably mention before we continue here, there are a lot of injuries yeah. that happened in this game, and we have no idea the extent of those injuries. So I want to kind of go yeah. through it and list those injuries real quick because I felt more confident before this game about my predictions. And now I'm a little bit more <laughs> hesitant just because of all the injuries that ended up happening. So I'm going to pull it up real quick. The injuries were Chris Myrick with the hand, Bryce Ford Wheaton with the knee, Wyatt Davis, who got carted off with an ankle, Zion Gilbert with a hamstring, Jamon Green with a shoulder, Bobby McCain with a concussion, and then Javarius Owens with a hamstring. And I just don't know how serious any of those injuries are other than Wyatt Davis's, which looked kind of rough. Yeah, the Davis one didn't look good. But two of those players you mentioned I, were going to you know, originally be on my list, and now I'm not so sure. Um, Bryce Ford Wheaton and... I forgot who else you mentioned there toward the back end. Various zones. zones, those two. But if they're, you know, a weekly, a week to week injury or worse, obviously they're not going to make the roster. We just don't know that information right now. So we're just going to have to kind of guess on that front, Nick. So let's move to receiver. Receiver for me is also interesting. I am going to go. So here's the thing. So like Wondell Robinson's on, if he's on the pup list, I actually don't think they have to make the final roster if on the pup list. Is that correct? No, I think they could. The pup can get carried over, but they have the to miss four games. But they would have to miss four games. Okay, that's exactly what I thought it would be. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna leave Wandell off the roster. I think they're just gonna use that to their advantage, and they're because they don't need to rush him back with how much depth they have at receiver right now. So I'm gonna leave Wandell off and have him carry over from the pup, and I'm gonna go with how many receivers I'm gonna. So before tonight, I was gonna go with Bryce Ford Weed and Nick because of his special teams upside as a gunner. And I still think they probably feel like he can play that role if he's not seriously injured. So I'm just going to hope that he's not seriously injured and he's going to stay on my final prediction. I hear I'm going to go with seven guys. So I know that's a little more than people expect. Usually maybe they go with six, but I'm going to go with Slayton, Hodgins, Campbell, Hyatt, Braceford, Whedon, Shepard, and Cole Beasley. I'm going to go with seven for this position. So I went with the same, only I replaced Bryce Ford Wheaton with Colin Johnson, who I don't know if Colin Johnson would have played in tonight's game if it wasn't for Bryce Ford Wheaton's injury. I don't think we saw him until the third quarter. And to me, it looked like the Giants were like, hey, let's just kind of roll out 12 personnel, a decent amount, and we're not going to play all these receivers who are locked in other than Jalen Hyatt for a few snaps. So you didn't see Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, or, or any of those players. So 
I'm not confident about this one either, but I, I put Colin Johnson there, but I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't make this team. I do think this coaching staff really does like him, but we didn't really see much from him because he got dinged up against Detroit, came back in this game and just played after Bryce Ford Wheaton got hurt. I think if Bryce Ford Wheaton didn't get hurt in the first quarter, he was going to play every single offensive snap. We would have really showcased what he could offer this team, and that could have been the difference between him making or not making this roster. So that's interesting on from this, that from that standpoint, Nick, as in the sense of, is it a good thing that Colin Johnson wasn't going to play until that injury? Like, are they telling us like we, we value him so much that we don't want to risk him getting re-injured or is it like he's off the roster type of thing? Cause I thought that about a lot of people like Zion Gilbert playing before Imani O, like things like that. I was thinking in my head, like, what is that telling us? So I would think on the surface, it tells us that he is on lower on their depth chart, maybe, but you might be with a player like Colin Johnson who had so many injuries. It might be the opposite. It might just be, they don't want to risk him getting re-injured. I think it's uh, the way I read into it, like Michael McFadden okay. didn't play. So there was a lot of players who were like early second year players, young players who just weren't seeing the football field. And I think those guys are just locked in the roster spots and the giants approach this game. Like we just want to get out healthy, which didn't really end up happening, but we're not going to expose any of our very valuable players other than Jalen Hyatt, who I think the giants just wanted to get him in a couple matchups against Sauce Gardner. It's fair. Okay. Let's move on to tight ends, Nick. I'm going to go with three tight ends making the roster. I'm going to go with Darren Waller, Daniel Bellinger, and Lawrence Cager. Where are you at on tight ends? I'm the same, and that poses somewhat of an issue because Daniel Bellinger's are only true blocking tight end. The other two tight ends are former wide receivers who sure. played college football in the state of Georgia. And that makes me be like, uh, maybe maybe I'm, I'm missing this, right? But Tommy Sweeney and whatever health scare that he had, that kind of removes him, and then Chris Myrick hurt his hand. So I was considering Chris Myrick, not because he's this great player, but I think he gives you a similar versatility in terms of I can play H-back, I can, you know, the H-back sniffer, I can be the fullback like Daniel Bellinger. So if something were to ever happen to Bellinger, you still have Myrick, who seems like a competent blocker and competent enough, but now I'm not really certain. So I ended up just kind of going with three. Okay. I think that's where we're both at there. Now the offensive line. We can do the total offensive lineman here, Nick. And this is the thing is also a really interesting one. I'm going to have nine guys here on the offensive line in the initial roster. I'm going to have Andrew Thomas. I'm going to have Ben Bredesen, who I think is going to ultimately win the job to start at left guard. JMS, three. Lewinsky, four. Neil, five. Azudu, six. Seven, this is get where it gets interesting. Tyree Phillips, who I think is their, you know, number seven guy, but... Is he healthy? What's the deal with Tyree Phillips? We're at a very weird standstill point with Phillips. He's been just like oddly not practicing or doing much. I think he started. Did he? Did he get a little bit of practice in this week, Nick? Am I not mistaken about that? Thought I saw. I can that. look that started, up. But he no, hasn't played. Pre- yeah, I might be actually confusing him with McKethan, but I'm gonna for now give Phillips the seven. Parrot's going to be my eight, and then McKethan's going to be my nine there. I think with McKethan, yes, it was a slow start for him this preseason. He finally just got action tonight. But I think they just feel more like he's a developmental piece that they don't want to lose right now. Um, And obviously, leaving off the roster, I would have Jack Anderson not making it, Corey Cunningham not making it, Wyatt Davis with the injury not making it, Davenport not making it, Lemieux not making it, and Harlow not making it. What are your thoughts on that nine, and how many do you have? I have the same exact nine. And my only concern with it is are the Giants confident enough not having a true center, which they don't really have on this roster right now? I guess you could say Harlow, right? 
behind John Michael Schmitz. And then you're really relying a lot on Ben Bredesen, who I think is the only player who has cross-trained at center. So that leads me, is Jack Anderson or Shane Lemieux a player who can be squeaked on here to make it 10? But where does the other cut come from? And is that is that um, enough of a concern to where you would put a player like that who's maybe not the better player than a other player that you're going to release just because you're concerned about JMS's not injury history, but the possibility of him being injured. And then you have Ben Bredesen who could win out at left guard or, or right guard. And he's kind of like versatile. You can play him wherever. I, I, um, I wouldn't be shocked if they keep 10 and Jack Anderson is that 10th player, but on my list, I have nine. Yeah. I almost feel like even that feels like a big number to me. Like I can't remember too many times in the past where they had two backup tackles like Parrot and Phillips who both made both of our final rosters. But I feel like most of the time they go with the one swing guy there. And then somebody like, uh, you know, they feel maybe can, can play both spots like a McKethan type who can maybe play inside and outside. So I'm not so sure that that's, that's like where I have it right now, just because I feel like the Phillips injury is kind of uncertainty. They might need someone just for week one to like a parrot type in case something goes wrong. But as far as the Anderson situation goes and like just that, backup center this is where i feel like maybe nick maybe the one position on the o-line i know i just did a spiel about this earlier about how hard it is to find guys off the waiver wire but i think the one position you can sometimes find is center so this is maybe a position to keep an eye on where the giants claim someone from from their final cuts for the center position you think that's a possibility i think they can certainly well i think they're going to add at least maybe two or three depending on who is released from the other teams, but Joe Shane and the, and the pro scouting department, they're going to be active and they're going to bring in guys who other teams viewed as trash or other teams wanted to slip through waivers. I think the giants are going to be on top of it. It's just giants usually suck. So they have like a top five waiver priority right now. I think they're sitting at 26 or, or somewhere around there. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's going to obviously play a factor as well. If they're that deep into the waiver priority, they may not be able to get the guy they want, even if there is someone. So maybe just something to keep an eye on. Cause I know the giants have been very active off that waiver wire after initial cuts in recent years. But we talked about this earlier this offseason, Nick. Obviously, Joe Shane's built the deeper back end of the roster, so that's less likely for that reason. But also, because like you said, with a waiver priority a lot worse than they've had in previous offseasons. Exactly, man. On the defensive line, it gets a little interesting for me. Yeah. Because I have DJ Davidson out. So I have six defensive linemen, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Ashawn Robinson, Raheem Nunez-Rochez, Jordan Riley. And then I have Ryder Anderson. And I think the Giants are going to try to keep Ryder Anderson. I don't know how serious his injury is. I wouldn't be shocked if they pass him through and then put him on the IR and they think that they could squeak DJ Davidson onto their practice squad and then they can activate DJ Davidson because he's coming off of an ACL. And I doubt there are a lot of teams being like, hey, I want a second year, 27-year-old interior defensive lineman coming (laughs) off an ACL. So I think that's what they're going to do, which means DJ Davidson is cut, but he's really not. He's going to eventually be back with the New York Giants. But again, it all depends on the severity of of um, Ryder Anderson's tricep injury. I think we have the same exact look right here for a defensive line. I have the same, I have six and I have the same six with Ryder Anderson. Obviously, like you said, it depends on the injury, but I just feel like based on the spring, they, what I heard, you know, from what I heard them, how they discussed him and the role that he might play along that defensive line. I think it's a unique, if he can get healthy, it's potentially a unique role that no one really on the line can play. And at the same time, they view him as more a McKethan type, somebody they want to develop. So I think that gives him an upwards chance to actually make this roster. So I'm going with that same six. And obviously, as far as the other guy we mentioned, who maybe, you know, is more of a fringe guy, Jordan Riley going into camp. I think obviously with the preseason he's had and the rise he had in training camp, there's now that that went from fringe to roster lock. 
Absolutely. And linebackers, I have the linebackers broken up with edges and linebackers kind of factored in. So yeah. I have nine guys on this list. And it's Kayvon, Aziz, Timon Fox, Jihad Ward, Isaiah Simmons, Bobby Okereke, Micah McFadden, Darian Beavers, and Carter Coughlin. So that leaves out some some big names and some guys who have been on the Giants since 2019 and 2020, specifically O'Shane Zimenez and Cam Brown. Then also, I think the Giants will try to slip Baldonado onto their practice squad. More than likely, they're going to be successful and maybe even to Sean Bauer, but I don't have them making the final roster. What say you? We actually have the same nine here too, as well, Nick. So maybe, and it's look, we're not going to disagree if we, if we come to this, it's not like, you know, we came to this list independently, but that doesn't mean we have to have differences. Right. And I think it was tough for me to move. The toughest one I thought to move off was Cam Brown because he's had that role with the giants for a while and special teams. But I just feel like everything I've seen this preseason usage wise for the giants and the reps I've seen from on defense in this system, I haven't loved. So I think that might be a holdover that just doesn't make it past year two. Same thing with Zimenez as well, who I leave off. Those are the two big ones. You've liked Bowers tape this preseason. He's like an intriguing one that I think might be able to make the practice squad. But as far as making the roster right now, probably not. And then Baldonado is also, like you said, an interesting one. I just feel like he's more of the get him, get him through, get him to the practice squad and you can do it now. It doesn't always work out that way. Remember two years ago, or what was it? Either two or three years ago, Nick, where um, the kid from the Steelers or the giant, they, they tried to move through. Uh, their practice squad. Like, the Tuzar Skipper. Mm-hmm. Uh, who? Tuzar Skipper. Oh, I was thinking of somebody. I was thinking of um, Quincy Roche. Roche. Roche yeah. yeah. Quincy Roche. Remember when they tried to squeeze him through and the Giants were able to. So that could be a situation with Baldonado, maybe. But I think that's something that's a risk the Giants are probably willing to take. I think so too. And I think the addition of Isaiah Simmons is going to also eat into the snap of an O'Shane who plays a little bit of a different role, but I think it's going to be similar. And then Baldonado, if he would make the team, but a lot of these back end roster spots are going to be determined by special teams. That's why it is hard for me to leave Cam Brown off. But since the giants have so much depth this year, I, I just don't know if the giants and they could, but I don't know if they will keep both Cam Brown and Carter Coughlin and to me through preseason it's been clear that Carter Coughlin who you can argue is a better special teamer than Cam Brown they're at least comparable but Carter Coughlin fits much better into the defense and he's made a lot of splash plays throughout the preseason when I see Cam Brown out there although I love his frame and and his athletic ability he never really makes a lot of splash plays and I just never see him fit the run well like I do with Carter Coughlin completely agree with that take 100%. I think Coughlin has had a surprisingly productive preseason. I know, again, it's against a lot of second and third teamers, but yeah. it doesn't matter. He's fitting the run. He's doing things within the system that they want. So I think that stands out to them. And I think Isaiah Simmons can kind of play more of a special teams role as well that if they if they need him to and they feel comfortable with that. He's done it in the past. He obviously has the speed and athleticism. So I think that probably gives them a little bit more of a confident feeling when they're moving on from a player like Cam Brown, who has been a good special teamer for them. So that's a tougher one. Let's move to cornerback. I think this one's a little more interesting with that final cornerback spot. I'm curious to hear who you're going to give it to, or if you're going to give more than I have five here and we'll hear how many you have and who yours are Nick, but that final spot was interesting for me. I also have five. And again, it's because I have six safeties and a lot of those safeties can play cornerback. It's a very interchangeable position with the personnel. The giants currently have, I have a Dory Jackson, Deontay Banks, Cordell Flott, Trey Hawkins, and I'm not confident about this, but I went with Amanio, and it's mainly because of Darnay Holmes cap hit. Now I can easily see a situation where the giants 
approach him and ask him if he would take a reduction and Darnay Holmes stays. I kind of hope that happens because I really do appreciate Darnay Holmes. I know all of his faults. I think he's a very tough player. I think he's a smart player near the line of scrimmage. He just is a little bit limited in terms of his downfield coverage. But if you're telling me the Giants can save $2.7 million for Darnay Holmes, who was playing with the third stringers in certain situations, I think the Giants would part ways and give that spot to Amanio. But I'm not fully confident with it. What about you? I am so not confident about this final spot. I have the same four, obviously, with Banks, Jackson, Flott, and Hawkins. I think the Giants themselves have done scout scouting and figured out that they feel more comfortable maybe going into the season or now than they did going into the season with Adore Jackson, the slot, if they need him to, which kind of alters that final spot. But then tonight, like Armani O was playing back end of this game, right? Like that to me was like, I, I, I don't know if that's a good sign. Zion Gilbert came in way before him. Obviously, he got hurt. I'm going to go with Darnay Holmes for the fifth spot, Nick. I just feel like he's done it within the system before. He's still good around the line of scrimmage, and they still feel he maybe can still, you know, fit a role that. If Cordell Flott is slow and Cordell Flott or is slow to come back from injury or Cordell Flott is not producing at a high level that they expect him to, they've already had Holmes have these reps in the slot. They haven't been great reps per se, but he's had he's done the job and he's been out there and he's executed within the system. So I'm gonna go with Holmes for my final cornerback spot. He's also a tough SOB, which means a lot in the NFL, but also in Wink Martindale's defense. You want corners who can hit. Trey Hawkins, he's a tough SOB. He can hit. Darnay Holmes, pound for pound, very tough player. So I love that call. And ultimately, that's what I hope happens. I just, it all comes down to the contract for me. That's the only reason why I'm yeah. having quibbles about it. And that's a fair point by you because it's like, if they have to make the decision between Holmes and a player like Amani O or whoever it would be, Zion Gilbert, it may come down to, yeah, they may feel more comfortable with Holmes, but is it worth that amount of money to keep him more when you know in season you're going to get injuries, you're going to have to go to the wire, and they had this experience last year. They are making a playoff push. They were insanely light from a defensive line depth standpoint, and they simply didn't have any cap space to improve it, while all the other teams around them, the Eagles, the Cowboys, had the cap space and were able to do it. They don't want to be in that position again, ever again, I'm sure. I'm sure Joe Shane's like, that was miserable. I'm never doing that again. So like in that, in that sense, Nick, you might be right. It might be a spot where they're just like, we need to clear this gap space and we need to have that flexibility for in season. And if that's the case, Amanio, I think would be the first player cut out of all the players on the team. If the giants decide to add somebody through waivers and more specifically right. to the secondary, but he would be like that first guy be like, yo, we need somebody cut. Everyone's going to look at Amanio because I just, I don't, I didn't like his tape. Coming over from Detroit, uh, I saw value in his ability to be a ball hawk, especially that year he had like, what, five or six interceptions. But everyone built him up as a press man corner who can't jam and who has bad footwork at the line of scrimmage and press. Yeah, I just think he has good ball skills, but that unfortunately is not really enough to stick around in the NFL um, or for me to feel confident you, you being put out there if we get injuries. But again, I kind of feel like, Nick, this position is going to be a lot on the back end with that fifth spot, Nick. It could end up be looking a lot like it did in 2022, where a slew of injuries hits, as it always does to these types of skill positions. And we end up having guys like Nick McLeod come out of nowhere, who wasn't even on the roster, wasn't even a thought at this time last year, and ends up playing snaps. I still think that has a, a good chance of happening, too. Nick McLeod was claimed at final cuts off the bills. And also Fabian Moreau was signed like a couple of days after that and ended up having a right. huge impact on in week two against Carolina Panthers. I bring this up. Giants might lose that game. If Fabian Moreau doesn't chase down yeah. Christian McCaffrey, that was a house call. Sure. And Fabian Moreau tracked him down. 
Yeah, and guess what? At this time last year, we didn't even really, we probably weren't even thinking about either of those players at all. Probably, <laughs> we definitely weren't thinking about either of those two players. So yeah, we were talking about Aaron it, Robinson, who Dan and I think will just remain on the pup and then miss the first couple games. That's that's yeah, our take I on. Think I they're going to double pup that thing with Robinson and Robinson. It's just a smart play with Wanda double pup the Robinson. Yeah, double double pup it. All right, let's go to safeties. I have five here. You said you had six, Nick. So I think we might be off potentially on the numbers because I got to 53 with five on the safeties, but we might've had one difference earlier that I'm forgetting. I think I had, uh, I think I might've had one fewer at some spot, but I have Xavier McKinney, Jason Pinnock, Dane Belton, Nick McLeod, who could potentially also like, like you said, play corner. And then I think obviously it depends on the, the severity of the injury, but I think Javarius Owens has earned himself a roster spot as well. So I'm going to go with those five that leaves off Alex cook, who you have made a good point of saying, you know, he's had some nice film this preseason, obviously against like third stringers, but he had some nice film. And I thought he looked good tonight when I was watching him, just watching this game. And then Bobby McCain as well, who I feel like has been a absolute, no offense, disappointment to, from what the Giants maybe expected him to be throughout entirety of training camp and the preseason. Yeah, so I have six because I had one less running back than you. Yeah. But I kind of, at the end of this episode, I'm coming around to what you said. And especially since Javarius Owens and Bobby McCain both ended up getting injured because I have them both on the roster. I think the Giants want Javarius Owens there. Bobby McCain was playing late in the preseason week two. He was also playing in the second half. I think they like Bobby McCain for quarter. I think they want him out there, his veteran presence and his zone instincts and things like that. And he's athletic enough to also line on line of scrimmage, drop it to depth. But who's to say Javarius Owens can't do that? Dane Belton, he could do that. So I think that might make him a little bit more expendable. And I'm starting to come around on, on that idea. And then also putting Gary Brightwell on the roster, as you said, I really like the way you kind of constructed that before. So I have McKinney, Pinnock, Belton, McLeod, Owens, and McCain for my six okay. safeties. Having Wink Martindale, he wants safeties. He wants these players who can play the run and who can also uh, be, be competent in terms of zone instincts, man coverage. I think Bobby McCain offers that, but I agree. He's been a little bit underwhelming and I don't know how much the Giants valued him. He ended up playing in this game, but you need players out there. And Bobby McCain is probably one of the last ones on this roster at the safety position, him and Owens, who played most of this game. Unfortunately, both of them got hurt. We don't know the extent of either, but I mean, McCain's is a concussion. And then we have the three specialists in, in Gano, Gillen, and uh, Kreider. Yep. And those are obviously locked in for me as well, the same three. And it's an interesting point I thought you made about McCain and his own instincts and just having that kind of player out there who's been there and done it and had those reps in the NFL level versus maybe, you know, feeling more reliant, reliance on guys like Javarius Owens and Dane Belton who don't actually have that many, you know, NFL reps under their belt. So that's something to think about as well and may end up factoring into their final decision there too, Nick. The so, reason why I'm... The reason why I'm sorry, I cut you off. We have a little bit of a delay here, everybody. But the reason why um I question the the, the three running backs, and I, I think I want to go with four, is I think mm -hmm. the Giants are going to incorporate some full house packages. And I don't know if they're comfortable enough with Lawrence Cager being one of those running backs. So if you're going to have a full house and you're going to go out there with 31 personnel or whatever the hell you're going to do, even 21 personnel, you one injury, you can't incorporate those personnel packages now into your game plan. So, and then the fact that Gary Brightwell also has special teams value, I think is a, is another reason why I, I'm leaning in that direction. I just don't know about these injuries. And I think you were onto something when you said they're going to act, they're going to have them make the roster and then they'll put them on the IR creating a roster spot where the giants will either bring somebody up from their practice squad, or they're going to go out and find another player to add to this roster. Cause I think this roster is going to look slightly different come next week. For sure. And I want to talk about this more in depth 
next week when we kind of start to do our season preview stuff and ship focus there over the next two weeks. Actually, I forgot there's that week in between um, before the regular season. But I'll say this just from an overall standpoint, Nick, this roster is certainly improved from the 2022 season. I mean, you look at some of these positions and where they're at now versus where they were then. It's night and day for me. I mean, they have players at wide receiver and tight end from a talent standpoint, from a speed standpoint, from a length standpoint, from a mismatch standpoint that they just simply didn't have last season going into the year. And you could say Kadarius Tony was on the roster last year and he was that guy. But the reality of the situation is Kadarius Tony never picked up the playbook fast enough and never stayed healthy enough to actually be that guy, even though he projected as that guy. So I feel really confident, Nick, with the defensive line depth upgrades, the weapon upgrades. Yes, I feel like the offensive line is still somewhat of a question mark. I will admit that right now, Nick. The secondary to me also remains somewhat of a question mark. As much as I like Jason Pinnock's come up this preseason, as much as I like Trey Hawkins and Deontay Banks, it's going to change a lot when it's regular season reps. They're a different speed, a different level, and you're going to be facing a lot better receivers than you face in the preseason. So I still have question marks there, Nick, but the two spots, the defensive line depth and the uh, weapons that they have on offense, it just feels so much more upgraded than where it was at last year. It was, and here are some of the names that made the initial 53-man roster. There were only three safeties, and the cornerbacks were Rodarius Williams. You were relying on Aaron Robinson as a starter, and then Cordell Flott as a rookie. And here are some of the other names. Justin Ellis on the defensive line. Ellerson Smith at edge. You had two linebackers that you were actually relying on named Tay Crowder and Austin Calitro with the two special teamers, Cam Brown and Carter Coughlin. And Blake Martinez made the initial 53-man roster. It wasn't until after that he vacated. And there are also a couple of players. Antonio Williams, according to this, made the 53-man roster. And then the Giants ended up adding players and, and getting rid of players like that. They only had two tight ends, too. I didn't remember. They only had two tight ends on that yep. initial 53 with Bellinger and Hudson, who I think they picked up late in training camp, if I'm not mistaken. So you can see it's going to change. It's going to change. I don't think it's going to change as much as it did last year just because the Giants have so much talent. I think this roster is actually finally being groomed and cultivated under what Joe Shane and Brian Dable want it to be. But some some players, some young players, the Giants are going to go after, and I can't wait to dive into their film. Hopefully, they can offer as much as guys like Nick McLeod have offered the Giants so far. For sure. All right. Thank you so much for tuning into the Big Blue Banter podcast. Uh, I will not bore you again with a spiel on how you can like and subscribe to this page. I listened back the other day, Nick, to our Zimmons podcast, and I just felt like it was really funny to hear myself go off for like a minute and a half about how you can support us. So I won't do that again. You know the ways to support us, but. Keep an eye out on the page and keep an eye out on the podcast as well because a lot of content is coming in the next 14 days for the season. We're going to be doing fun stuff to preview the season, to go in-depth about the roster, predictions on who will be breaking out, who might be sleepers from this roster. We're going to obviously, once we get to Dallas week, start talking about that matchup as well. So keep it locked and loaded. Have a great rest of your night, and we'll talk to you soon.